Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace to start? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you washing the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless or are they white as snow? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the same?
delay. Man, open your Bibles this morning. You probably want to go ahead and mark that book, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And I have both a difficult and delightful assignment before me this morning. Uh, difficult because I'm supposed to introduce the book of Colossians to you in a brief span of time and do so without stealing the thunder of the men who are coming to preach to us night by night from the book. And so that's difficult, but it's delightful in the fact that I get to introduce a book to you that is filled with the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Now, you should have found in your bulletin that insert that I mentioned earlier, and it introduces to you the book of Colossians. If you have a study Bible, uh, you'll find a lot of information in your study Bible as well. But this covers the basics, the author, the background, the theme, uh, the purpose of the book. There's an outline of the book. There's uh, a section that talks about Christ in Colossians. And I've also written out a suggested prayer uh, for us to be praying this week as we come together uh, in these revival meetings. Now, I'm not going to read all of that. Uh, you can read that for yourself. But I want to encourage you to keep it in your Bible and bring it back with you to the meetings. Uh, I think it will be a help to you as you uh, study this week. It will also be a help to you. And I want to encourage you to read the chapter that we're going to be studying before you come to each evening. And so today is chapter 1. And uh, then, of course, we'll have chapter 2 the next evening and so forth. And that's all on that flyer. So if you're not sure exactly what we even put on the flyer, where the man is going to be preaching from. And so uh, it'll help you in a great way. But I'm going to limit myself to just the first eight verses of the book. I've reserved those for myself. And then they'll be preaching from the rest of the book. And I want to look at those with you briefly today, kind of in a devotional way before we get our uh, celebration of the Lord's Supper here. And uh, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8, uh, kind of in a devotional way today, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Colossians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ Jesus who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among, since the, among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ in your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. I actually want to pray that prayer uh, that I had uh, written out there on your insert as we get started today for these meetings. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this special time to spend studying your word with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to truly worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Help us to desire Christ more than just information about him. May the book of Colossians open our eyes even further to just how wonderful Jesus really is. Work in our lives this week for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would encourage you, you can use that and just kind of pray a prayer like that or pray that prayer throughout this week. Well, real quick, let's kind of introduce the book. Uh, in a devotional way, and I want you to notice the author of the letter is in verse 1. The author is Paul. Uh, this is one of Paul's prison epistles. He's in prison 
uh, because of his faith in Christ. And he's writing to them. And he's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we're the author there in verse 1. And by the way, they do it different back, they did it different back then than we do it today. If you were to write a letter... By the way, how many of you still write letters? Anybody still write? Oh, a few still write letters. Most of us send an email or a text or we call, but some still send letters. Where do you put your signature? At the bottom at the end. If you write a long letter, then they get it. Unless you put in the return address on it, they have to look at the end and say, who is this from? But back then, what did they do? They put the, the author right up front. So Paul is right up front. The audience is mentioned in verse 2. Uh, to the saints and faithful brethren in Colossae. And Colossae was about 100 miles east of Ephesus. And he was writing to them to warn them about some false teaching uh, that was going on. And it was the false teaching that devalued Jesus Christ. And can I just remind you, there's still false teachers in our world. And there's still false teaching going on. And we've got to be discerning men and women. One of the greatest needs, I believe, in the church today is the need of discernment. To be able to look at something and evaluate something and say, this is right and this is wrong. This is of God and this is not of God. And so he's writing them to encourage them and to help them concerning this false teaching. And then we have a greeting in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the proper order. And you'll notice that in some of Paul's other letters. Grace comes first. And then because of that grace that has come, you have peace. And then we get to what seems to be the theme of these eight verses and this passage we read together, and that is Paul's gratitude. Paul's gratitude. Colossians 1.3. What's he say there? He says, We give thanks. We give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you. You know what I noticed about Paul is Paul was thankful and Paul was prayerful. And when you get to verse 9 and you keep reading, you find out a lot more about what Paul was praying and you'll study his prayer. And I'm not sure exactly what direction Brother George will take us tonight. We may be, we may be studying that tonight. He'll be preaching from chapter 1. But we want to keep our focus this morning on this idea of Paul's gratitude. We noticed that Paul was grateful this morning in Sunday school as we studied through uh, those passages. But his gratefulness here, we give thanks to God. It, it's directed toward God. He's thanking God in this passage, in this letter, but it seems to be centered upon the Colossians, those believers in Colossae. In other words, he's thanking God for what he has observed and, or heard about is going on in Colossae. And I want to note with you real quickly this morning five things that Paul is grateful for. Five things that he's thankful for. And we don't have time to fully develop these, but we're going to quickly note them together. All right? I want you to notice, first of all, that he is grateful. He's grateful. He's thankful for their faith in Christ. He's thankful for their faith in Christ. Look back at verse 3, and we'll add to it verse 4. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, notice verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. He's grateful for their faith in Christ. I'm sure if you're a believer today, if you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, aren't you thankful that God called you to Himself? Aren't you thankful that you have a home in heaven? Aren't you thankful that your sins are forgiven? Aren't you thankful, as you study today, we're never alone? Aren't you thankful He's not only put us in fellowship with Himself, but also with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church? 
You're thankful for that personally. But listen, as a believer, as a child of God, aren't you happy? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you grateful whenever you hear of anybody who places their faith in Jesus Christ? To see somebody get saved, to see someone place their faith in Christ is a thrilling thing. And we rejoice. In fact, we know the Bible says that there's joy in heaven over a sinner who repents. There should also be joy on the earth among Christ's saints whenever someone is born again. And if you're not happy about that, then something is terribly wrong in your walk with the Lord. And so these people had heard the Gospel. And they responded in faith to the Gospel. They've been born again. They've repented of their sin. They placed their faith in Christ. And when Paul heard that, he was excited and he was thankful. And he was grateful for their faith in Christ. But there's a second thing he's grateful for. And that is he's grateful for their love for the saints. He's grateful for their love for the saints. Now, one of the ways to know whether or not our faith is real and our faith is genuine, one of the ways we know if it is, is if we love the brethren. If we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we love other saints. That's one of the proofs that our hearts have been changed and we've been born again. Jot this reference down. 1 John 3.14 1 John 3.14 It says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Read that again. We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So somebody says, listen, I'm a child of God. I love Jesus, but I can't stand these other people. I can't stand these people of the church. Well, then you need to check and make sure that you truly are a child of God because one of the ways we know that we are born again is because we love the brethren. Let me remind you something now. The love being taught about there is not necessarily a feeling. Jesus' type of love is a choice. Not based on feelings, but a choice. Agape love. Jesus' kind of love. We choose to love. And yes, some people are difficult to love. But we choose to love. Paul not only heard about their faith, he heard about their love. And faith and love go together. I like what I read this past week. Everett Harrison said it this way. Faith is the root of the Christian life and love is the fruit. Faith is the root of the Christian life and love is the fruit. We love God only because He first loved us. And because God first loved us, we love Him. And as we love Him, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. I love how God orchestrates things. He puts truths together and themes together. He's been doing that a lot lately with Hebrews. We've been studying that. It's everything floating. Our Sunday school lesson I prepared this before I prepared for that. I love how God orchestrates all these things and puts it together as you think about loving Him and loving others. And so Paul says, listen, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. First of all, for your faith in Christ. Secondly, because you love the saints. And then there's a third thing he was thankful for. And that is he was grateful for their hope in heaven. Their hope in heaven. Are you awake? Watch, this is the quietest been in here since I was by myself in here. All right? The alert? All right. Their hope in heaven. I put the screen away. Maybe that's what it is. I said, we're going to use the screen today so you, you can't watch TV while I preach. But anyway, uh, hope in heaven. Look at verse 5. Because of the hope 
which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Listen, the Christian life, you remember, is the great already and not yet. Preacher, what are you talking about? Well, if you're a Christian, you have the already and the not yet. We already have eternal life. The moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. But you're not yet literally in heaven. The already and the not yet. This hope of heaven. He says, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. We look forward to that sure hope that is ours. That is to live forever in eternity with heaven. Jesus said what? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That what? That where I am, there you may be also. Can I just say to you, beloved, as wonderful as the, the mansion might be, as wonderful as the street of gold might be, as wonderful as it is to see our brothers and sisters in Christ who've gone before us, the thing that makes heaven heaven is the fact that we'll be with Jesus forever. The hope of heaven. And I don't know about you, but the longer I live, and the more that I struggle with sin and temptation and our world and all the things that go on in our world, it makes me more and more longing for heaven. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Because we're pilgrims and strangers. We're passing through. This world is not our home. And we have a hope in heaven. We're going to be with Jesus forever. And furthermore, we're going to have our resurrected, glorified, Perfected bodies. Hallelujah. Because these bodies are wearing out. I realize that I'm pastoring an aging congregation. <clears throat> you know how I know? Because I'm aging. <laughs> I realized in the last day or two. I really did. I, I struggle with this now. You know, I, I paid a lot of money. Um, what has that been? A couple of years ago to get my eyes fixed. Now I used to wear glasses, so I can see. Man, I feel like Jethro Bodine after I got that done. I can see way off, you know. But the eye doctor said, "Yeah." My wife used to work at the eye doctor, and she says, it's "Like clockwork, when you hit about forty, your up close vision begins to go." And. Uh, I noticed this the last day or two. <laughs> All that money, and I still got to get glasses now. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to get our resurrected bodies. I'm blaming it on dry eyes and allergies. I've yet, I've yet to accept it, by the way. Don't, don't, don't buy me any readers. We're going to get our resurrected, glorified, perfected bodies. And yes, we're going to be with our loved ones who've gone on before. Um, boy, we've... we've, we've We've said goodbye to a lot of our loved ones. And we're looking forward to that day. We have a hope in heaven. When Paul thought about the Colossian believers, he says, listen, I'm grateful for the hope in heaven that you have. That's something all of us as Christians share. We have a hope in heaven. We could camp out there and preach, but we won't. Let's keep going. When Paul thought about them, he was grateful for their faith in Christ, their love for the saints, their hope in heaven. But he's also grateful for their fruit-filled lives. In other words, they were fruitful 
verse 6. Talking about that truth of the gospel and the faith, which has come to you, verse 6, as it has also in all the world. Now watch this. And is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Now, we studied this last week, so I don't want to hammer this down too much today. We talked about last week in the book of James that true saving faith, it brings about good works. True saving faith brings about fruit in our lives. And Paul heard about these believers, and he heard about their faith in Christ, and he heard the fact that fruit was already coming from their lives. Now, beloved, how we need to rejoice when other people are growing and maturing in their faith. And sometimes I think we don't do that enough, to see growth in their lives. And I, and I look at believers, I look at our church family, I look at people, and I see fruit in their lives. And I see growth in their lives. And it should thrill us and cause us to praise the Lord when we see fruit in the life of a brother and sister in Christ. You don't see jealousy or envy in Paul's life here. What do you see? You see rejoicing. You see gratefulness. You see praise to God. Praise the Lord that that person, these people, this congregation is rejoicing and growing in their faith. Then there's a fifth thing. I told you we're going to do them quickly. He's grateful for their pastor named Epaphras. He's grateful for their pastor named Epaphras. Look at verses 7 and 8. As you also learn from Epaphras, I've never met anybody named Epaphras, but he's a wonderful fellow here. Our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Now, Epaphras seems to have been the founder and the pastor of this church. Um, as you can see, Paul loved him and was thankful for him. In fact, it seems it was Epaphras who had come to Paul and was communicating. We're not even sure Paul ever even went to the Colossian church. But Epaphras, their, who we think is their pastor, came and he's talking to Paul, he's ministering to Paul, he's communicating to Paul, and, and, and Paul loved this dear brother. Paul loved him, was thankful, and he called him a dear fellow servant. A dear fellow servant. And we talked about our partnership in the gospel this morning. He calls him a faithful minister of Christ. It was through Epaphras that Paul learned about the love of the Colossians. And it's a reminder that we need to be thankful for all of the servants of God that God brings into our lives. You can think back, look over your life, and if you grew up in church, all the different pastors that you've had, all the Sunday school teachers, all the, the, the youth workers or the, or the mission friends or whatever it is God has brought in your life. You think about those many women. I think about my own life and names come to mind right away. My beginner Sunday school class teacher, uh, Mrs. Carpenter, I later became her pastor. I think about others as I go through. I, I was talking with... Um, I don't remember who we're talking about. Some, some people today, but back in those days, it seemed like you, you had the same Sunday school teachers, at least in the church I grew up in, my wife grew up in, and you got to the teen, my grandma taught the teen class at our church, and I finally got in her class. And I think about these faithful men and women. I think about the pastors, the, the people that touched my life. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, think about the people that have touched your life for Jesus. All throughout your life. It might have been a Sunday school teacher. It might have been someone that you, it might have been a family member. We need to be thankful for the faithful men and women that God brings into our lives to touch our lives, to help us to grow, to change us and mold us and shape us into the image of Christ. Just their example alone is a tremendous blessing in our lives. And Paul here is grateful. He sees Epaphras 
It's this faithful minister, this fellow servant who's faithfully serving there in Colossae. And can I just say, if you want to be known for something in your service for Christ, faithfulness is a great thing to strive for with God's help. I'm just going to be faithful. Faithful. Now we've noticed five things here that Paul is grateful for. But I need to remind you of something. Don't close up shop yet. He was directing his thanksgiving toward God. And, and it really seems that he was focused upon the Colossians and everything that was going on in their lives. But can I just tell you that not only was he directing his thanksgiving to God, God was also the source of all these things that he's thanking him for. In other words, what I'm saying is this. While these things seem to be centered upon the Colossians, their faith and, and their love and their fruit, beloved, in reality, all those things were as a result of what Paul talked about in verse 2. Because in verse 2, Paul said this, to the saints and faithful brethren uh, in Christ or in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How is it that, that Paul could thank God for these five things? He could do it because of the grace of God. How could these Colossians have faith in God were it not for the grace of God? How could they love the saints were it not for the grace of God? How could they have a hope in heaven were it not for the grace of God? How could they have fruit-filled lives were it not for the grace of God? How could they have a faithful pastor and minister were it not for the grace of God? It brings us all back to what? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not have noticed it. We read it earlier. But look back at verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6 says this, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, watch it, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Verse 6, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. It all comes back to the grace of God in the gospel. Any good thing in Paul's life, any good thing in Epaphras' life, any good thing in the Colossians' believers' lives, and anything good in our lives, beloved, is because of the grace of God which is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. The grace of God. The grace of God. His love and grace. Somebody said grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. The gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we come today to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we come today, beloved, to remember the grace of God and the gift of God to remember the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And as we come today, we ought to come reverently. We ought to come humbly. We ought to come joyfully. But can I say something else? We ought to come like Paul talked about in this passage. We ought to come gratefully. Because it's of His grace that we can even have this time together. Aren't you grateful today, beloved? Do you realize just how gracious God has been? Do you feel His goodness today when you think about all that God has done 
not only in our world, but in our own lives and in our church. So I want us to come today in worship and praise. I want us to come to the Lord's table today in gratefulness and love, giving thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the theme of Colossians is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And so this week our focus is upon Christ. Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Are you grateful today for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads? The Lord's Supper is for those who know Christ as Savior and Lord. You've identified with Him. You're here from another church, a light faith. We would invite you to participate as well. But we need to take some, a moment or two and examine our hearts and make sure our hearts are clean and we're ready to receive the bread and the juice. And so I want to give you just a moment for silent prayer, and I want to do the same for myself, and, and then we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together, okay? <clears throat> Father, we know that none of us are worthy of the least of your benefits. Lord, it's not by our righteousness that we come, but it's by Christ's righteousness. And so just as we come to you through him in prayer, we come today to the Lord's Supper through him, rejoicing with him as we remember him. May this time be a very special time of drawing close to you, rejoicing in you, and truly thanking you for what you've done in our lives, what you're doing in our lives, and what you're going to do. Fathers, we begin to dig into this book of Colossians and We've begun to see just how gracious and glorious and wonderful Christ is and, and your grace in sending Christ in the gospel. Continue to open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our ears this week to be drawn closer and closer and closer to Christ and be made like him. So bless this time as we worship you, as we do what you've commanded us to do, as we do this in remembrance of Christ until he comes again. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.